Hello and welcome to Peace, Love, and Robots, a podcast about anything and everything and all that's in between. I am your host, Jeremy, and this is episode number six for October 14th, 2020. Yep, we're still in 2020. And if you really want to know, there's about 11 more weeks left in this year, so buckle up, kiddos. Let's see what the grand finale is going to be, because it's going to be awesome. We hope. As always, this podcast is brought to you by the ads you hear at the beginning and the end of the show. So if you listen all the way through, I am forever in your debt. Before I get too deep into the episode, a special shout out to my friend Jesus Marquez, who was kind enough to illustrate the robot featured in the cover art for the show. You can follow him and see all of his incredible artwork on Instagram at the Jesus Marquez. That's all one word. The Jesus Marquez. I'll link that in the show notes for you. Now on to the show. As you might know, this podcast was started as an accountability tool for me as a writer. I'm not going to get very far if I don't keep working. So how did I do this week? Drum roll, please. Nothing. Absolutely nothing. I wrote nothing. I got nothing for you. I know. I know. I should absolutely be ashamed of myself, and I am. You can't get anywhere if you don't keep moving, right? I told you all I would be honest with you, and this is as honest as I can get. There's no reason that I couldn't have banged out a couple of pages this week. I just didn't. I slept a lot more, which is good for my health. And if there's any good reason that I didn't get any writing done, it's because I spent a lot of my time in the car playing taxi driver, which is not something I'm going to complain about. But I'm sure there were times when I was just sitting around watching a movie that I could have done some writing. So the blame's all on me. Creative work requires sacrifice. It requires discipline. And I don't have a lot of either of those things, but that has to change. I need you, my accountability crew, to lift me up and hold me accountable. This actually reminds me of a time in college back in the winter in 95. There's this girl I was really into, and my friends were basically telling me to fish or cut bait. They were tired of hearing me whine about her. We all have that one girl that we pine over at one time, right? The one that just seems out of reach. Well, that was this girl for me. So my buddies gave me a deadline. If I didn't ask her out by a certain date, they could each punch me square in the stomach. That was the deal I made. Yeah, college guys never back down from a chance to slug their friends. But I also had an aversion to getting hit. I still didn't ask her out for a couple months. And she turned me down outright. But I did not ask her out by the deadline. And what did I get out of that? I got a punch in the stomach from at least two of my friends. I think a third of them took mercy on me and didn't hit me, but... That's besides the point. I might be not I might be remembering that correctly. I'm not I'm not sure. The memory fades as you get older. Why am I telling this story? Because I need people to threaten to punch me in the stomach if I don't write. Not literally. I don't need to suffer from internal bleeding. I'm older now. And in much worse shape than I was. Which is weird because I ate a lot of Doritos and drank a lot of Mountain Dew at that point in my life. And I should be healthier than I was now, then, now, 
I should be healthier now than I was then. I'll eventually master the English language. It is my first language. But that's, that's besides the point. I need people to punch me in the stomach, just figuratively. So I need to come up with some sort of punishment for myself, and I don't know what it should be. We could talk about that in the coming weeks, though. Instead of writing, I did watch a few movies. So why don't I talk about them? The first one that I watched was The Raven from 1935. This movie starred both Bela Lugosi and Boris Karloff, who had by then dropped Boris from his name and just went by Karloff. And wouldn't you do that if you were him? If you had a name as cool as Karloff, why try to add anything to it? It's like trying to add highlights to a Van Gogh painting. It's unnecessary and gaudy. I digress. The Raven was about a doctor who's rejected by the woman he's infatuated with and his friends punch him in the stomach. No, no, that's not it. Uh, this guy does not treat rejection well. Uh, he's obsessed with Edgar Allan Poe and has the collection to prove it. He's got lots of Poe writings and inspired things all over his house, his big mansion that's outside of the city. And the house, the house itself is is uh, is basically an, an homage to Edgar Allan Poe. He basically torments an entire family for this girl's rejecting him. He puts them through various torture devices inspired by the writing of Edgar Allan Poe. And these devices, they were very elaborate, which made me wonder, how did the conversations with this contractor go in building his house? Can you imagine someone like uh, Chip Gaines or the Property Brothers talking with Bella Lugosi about how to properly build his house? This is what I was thinking about. I want a room that doubles as an elevator. Uh, you, you mean an elevator in a room? No, an entire room that doubles as an elevator. So, like a freight elevator? No, a room with complete with bed, dresser, closet that will lower in the basement like an elevator. Okay. And I need a table. Oh, that's no problem. That has a switch on the side. Like a power switch? Sort of. And needs to control a pendulum. Swing above it slowly. Pendulum? Or don't you mean a chandelier? No, a pendulum. A big blade that lowers more and more as time goes on until it cuts George Bailey's father in half. What? Never mind. Can you do it? Uh, sure. I also want a room that slowly closes in from the sides. Like a trash compactor? Yes, yes! Why would you want that? No questions! Can you do it? Of course. And I would like the entire great room covered in shitlap. <laughs> oh, no problem with that at all. Yeah. So that must have been awkward. I dove into some nostalgia this weekend as well, since I took in the 1955 sequel to Creature from the Black Lagoon. Revenge of the Creature. I don't exactly remember watching this as a kid, but I remember having an audio tape of me around age five trying to scare my sisters with my impression of the monster from the Revenge of the Creature. Suffice to say, it didn't work, but I must have watched it on the old PBS station on a Sunday morning, and it made uh, quite the impression on me. Apparently, the, uh, the guys in Mystery Science Theater 3000 also riffed on it once, so I have to track that down now and see what they said. Uh, I also watched The Wolfman from 1941, starring Lon Chaney Jr., and all I could think of was, there are not enough gypsies in the movies these days. 
That's that's full of gypsies, including one played by Bella Lugosi, who's in pretty much every single one of these movies. It's weird. I wasn't in any of their Avengers of the Creature movies. But uh, I finally saw Bride of Frankenstein from 1935, and I was really happy to see the MVP, Dwight Fry, back in a supporting role. Yeah, he did get typecast as the crazy-eyed dude, and uh, he plays it well. You know, he plays it well. And finally, because I kept seeing rave reviews about it on Facebook and Twitter, I sat down to watch the Netflix original Adam Sandler movie, Hubie Halloween. I have a fondness for Sandler. His early movies established him as an absurd genius. I use that term loosely, by the way. And uh, some of his later work showed that he actually yacked. But one thing he's done better than anyone in Hollywood is get his friends consistent work making his movies. Which is kind of cool, you know? He's a billionaire now, and he just sort of makes movies and gets his friends involved and does it a lot and makes money. So, good for him. Anyway, this is no different with Hubie Halloween, which is a fun holiday movie, which, much like the candy on Halloween night, has a gooey center at the heart of it. It's cute, silly, and has a lot of great callbacks to his early movies, but as with all Sandler movies, he does go blue a lot. There's a lot of dirty jokes, and while they aren't as crude as they could be, they're crude enough that I wouldn't recommend it as a family movie. But it's fun, and I guess that's all that counts for a lot of people. Talking about Sandler brings me to some sad news that sort of ties into him. Conchata Farrell, an actress most well-known for her supporting role in Two and a Half Men, a show that I never really watched, she died at 77 years of age. This, How she ties into Sandler is she, she played an important supporting role in, uh, in Mr. Deeds, the remake of Mr. Deeds starring Sandler. And uh, she was an accomplished actress. She was in a lot of supporting roles. That's pretty much what she did. She was, uh, she was a utility player, you know, someone that they could count on putting uh, her best into a performance. And she was great. But uh, what do I remember her for? Hard Time on Planet Earth. What's that? You don't know what Hard Time on Planet Earth was? <laughs> well, you're not alone. Most people don't. Now, in the fall of 1988, I was sitting in front of the television, and this is where I spent most of my formative years. And on CBS, there was this new TV show starring Martin Cove, who at the time I only knew as Sensei Kreese from the Karate Kid movies. But this time... He was playing a good guy, an alien exiled from his warrior planet because he's too hostile. <laughs> Perfect role for Sensei Kreese, right? Now, I can't really do the concept justice, so I'm going to let the opening credits speak for themselves. The penalty for rebellion against the council is termination. But because of your heroic services as a warrior, you are exiled to the primitive planet Earth, there to dwell in human form, until you learn to restrain your hostility. This control unit will monitor you. Hostility? Not good. The sentence is passed. Yeah, it's pretty heady stuff. It was my favorite show of that fall because I was 11. And it only lasted about 13 episodes. 
if that, I honestly don't know. I, I could have looked it up on Wikipedia, but um, I was too busy writing my notes. Uh, anyway, uh, it only lasted about 13 episodes, and but my favorite episode was one that I had recorded on VHS and watched multiple times. See, when you're a kid without cable back in the 80s, uh, you record the TV shows you like and watch them when there's nothing else on TV, like in the wee hours of the morning or the weekend when all that's on is infomercials or golf. So my favorite episode involved the main character becoming a pro wrestler. This this had everything I wanted as a kid. It was an action show with the guy from Karate Kid and professional wrestling on primetime in the middle of the week. It was everything a kid like me wanted. Uh, so he becomes a pro wrestler. And going, <laughs> it's the ridiculous thing. He becomes a pro wrestler that is called the hot dog man. And uh, the reason he's called the hot dog man is, you guessed it, uh, before he becomes a wrestler, that was his job at the arena where the wrestling show was going on. And so the hot dog man... Much like Hacksaw, no, not Hacksaw Jim Duggan, I'm sorry. Much like Hillbilly Jim, jumps into the ring, cleans house, and becomes a huge star overnight. And it was a ridiculous show. It was The episode was just ridiculous, and there were a handful of famous wrestlers in there as well. You got uh, you had one of the Wild Samoans. I can't remember. I think it was Afa, um, who's the father of a bunch of people that you might be familiar with, but I'm not going to risk making a mistake. Um, but he's one of the wild Samoans. He's related to the rock. That's all you need to know. Anyway, uh, he, they had some of the glow girls in there and Ed tiny Lister was on there and he would go on to star in no holds barred opposite Hulk Hogan in the next year. Yeah, it was a stellar cast and who played the booker or the manager or the main person behind the scenes that called the shots for this pro wrestling federation on the TV show. You guessed it. None other than Conchata Farrell. Sure, she'd go on to bigger and much better things, including Edward Scissorhands and Aaron Brockovich, but she'll always be the tough-as-nails wrestling lady from Hard Time on Planet Earth to me. She will be missed. So this brings me to my question of the week. What was your favorite short-lived TV show from your childhood? Of course, mine was Hard Time on Planet Earth, which you can find all over YouTube. I'm going to link to the full episode that I referenced in this show for you to uh, enjoy in your spare time. Let me know your answer to the question of the week by sending me an email at peaceloveandrobotspod at gmail.com. That's peaceloveandrobotspod, one word, at gmail.com. Or you can leave me a voicemail at 585-371-8986. That's 585-371-8986. When I hear from you, I just might share it on the next episode. Ah, I think that's enough for this week. If you like what you heard here and think your friends would like it too, feel free to rate, review, subscribe, and share the show. It's not too hard to find them on Apple and Google Podcasts, Spotify, and even iHeartRadio. I even submitted it to Amazon, so let's see if I get on there. I like this podcast so much, I bought the company. Yeah. Thanks for listening, and have a great week.